السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وبرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد إن شاء الله before we before we jump into our material for today i wanted to remind everybody that on sunday inshallah we will not have our regularly scheduled maliki fiqh class rather inshallah you can jump to the darul qasim uh, youtube uh, account which i suggest you all subscribe to uh, and uh, i ask that uh, if you find benefit also that you subscribe to this account as well uh, both of which because I guess you have to have a minimum of 1,000 uh, followers in order to be able to uh, live stream from your mobile. So it will kind of help us, uh, help me, and then help Darul Qasim also be able to expand their capabilities for streaming. Um, but at any rate, uh, on Sunday, uh, Sheikh Amin had asked me uh, to read from the Shama'il of Imam Tirmidhi. And so we're doing that. We're having that dars. Inshallah, we're reading with the unbroken chain of narration from my most beloved Ustadji Moana Hassan, uh, uh, who is currently the Amir of the Khatm al Nabuwa in, uh, uh, in in Pakistan and a, a, a very saintly and virtuous uh, person, um, almost to an un unbelievable degree. So, Inshallah, we will be reading. Uh, we will be reading that on Sunday, but it's going to be on Darul Qasim's channel, D-A-R-U-L-Q-A-S-I-M. Inshallah, I will, I will try to link in the comments section um, the, the link to that page. So if you're tuning on on Sunday at the same time, Inshallah, go ahead and, and, and go to that page, Inshallah, and we can take the barakah of the hadith of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we started that also from the middle of the book because many people oftentimes begin these uh, uh, these books, but they don't finish them. So we're going to uh, start that from the middle of the book. Um, or we did start that last week from the middle of the book. And I think my page also has a playlist with with links to those durus, although we've only done one so far. So inshallah, uh, you can look for them here as well if you want to not tune in live, but tune in after the fact. Uh, the, the thought process with that again is that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his uh, kalam has barakah in it and his Mubarak that Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his Mubarak person has barakah and is itself a reason that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will fend from this Ummah, Balaya and Afat, tribulations and calamities. Uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala keep us connected with him in this world and in the hereafter. Ameen. I also, before before uh, starting the dars, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, my wife's first cousin. Uh, he's a young young man. Uh, he's uh, the age of my children. He's I think like ten or eleven or twelve, something like that. Uh, Saad uh, Haider. He just uh, had the ceremony for the completion of his hifs today. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make the memory of the Quran solid in his heart and give him the tawfiq now of learning the Arabic language and learning the meanings of the Qur'an and that he become a man who stands and speaks when he speaks, he speaks with the Qur'an on his tongue and with the when he uh, feels, he feels with the Qur'an in his heart and when he acts, 
he acts according to the Quran. And when he rules and makes judgment, he makes judgment according to the Quran, rather than an operatic performer uh, uh, on uh, on, on uh, weeknights uh, in Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give tawfiq. And mashallah, they are from a, a, uh, a clan of uh, the Sadat, uh, of the, the, the Olad of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it makes me happy when anybody uh, takes up the responsibility for this Mubarak ilm and knowledge and uh, to preserve and guard this Mubarak Quran. But when somebody from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam does it, it brings a special, uh, a special flavor and a special pride also in the heart. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect them and, and give them give them more and give tawfiq uh, inshallah to their family, both immediate and, and in a more general sense, uh, inshallah, to uh, champion this uh, champion this deen and serve uh, serve the ummah of their grandfather sallallahu alayhi wa so that they can take their rightful place and their rightful rank next to him in this world and the hereafter. So with that, we continue. Uh, 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 the uh, author Ibn Abi Zaid uh, he says well takuffa yadaka amma la yahillu laka min malin or jasadin or damin we mentioned that last time that let a person hold his hand back restrain his hand from touching uh, that property or that body or that blood that uh, Allah has forbidden for him wala and don't walk, uh, don't walk with your uh, two feet uh, to that thing that uh, Allah has not made permissible for you. And this is an interesting, this is an interesting expression. Uh, obviously, uh, as a faqih, we don't take it literally uh, that it only has to do with not walking on your feet. So it's okay to like drive there in your car or to uh, perhaps uh, ride a bicycle or be carried or uh, fly in the air uh, uh, or something like that. That's not that's not what's meant. What's meant is just don't go there. Don't go. Don't move in the direction of those things that that uh, those places that sins occur. Um, whether you intend to sin over there or you don't intend to sin over there, or you tell yourself you're not intending to sin, but you actually are intending to sin. Allah subhanahu wa taala protect us and forgive us and protect us from Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us ummah billahi min shururi anfusina min amalina. We seek refuge in Allah taala from the the uh, evil of our own souls, this evil ability that we have to fool ourselves and make fools out of ourselves. Um, uh, to use our intelligence in order to make fools out of ourselves uh, and we seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala from our own uh, bad deeds so that's as a faqih and that's what that means uh, as a, a, a Sufi as a person of spirituality when I say Sufi I'm talking about looking at uh, the, the deen through the prism of the heart and through the prism of the objective of worshipping Allah as if you see him and if you don't see him to at least know that he sees you um, which is also something that impacts the fiqh. These things are <coughs> these things are connected with one another. Uh, they're not, you know. You have to look at the things. You have to look at the dean holistically. As green tea with uh, with mint. Don't don't get too excited. So, <coughs> at any rate, the uh, uh, the the point is is that from the Sufic perspective, from the spiritual perspective, when you look at this. When you look at this uh, uh, statement, there's also something there. 
which is that walking to places is something that has a type of spirituality in it. Walking to the masjid, walking uh, with a janaza, walking to the musallah, the eid, these are all awrad. These are all in and of themselves. They are awrad. They are uh, um, litanies of dhikr that a person does. It's mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that when a person walks toward the masjid, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with every step uh, uh, <coughs> gives a good deed and forgives a sin and raises a rank. And these are all three separate benefits that are there with walking to the masjid. So uh, we feel a bit deprived that uh, many of us, at least in the United States, we build these palatial masjids out in, out in the burbs. And uh, even those of us who live in urban areas, we oftentimes don't walk to the masjid. Uh, and that's a deprivation that uh, I feel sad about. Uh, Allah Ta'ala give us the ability to live together and to be able to walk to our massages. Obviously, there's exceptions, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's that's the, the situation that we, many of us find ourselves in. And uh, <coughs> when you go to the Muslim world, you go to Istanbul, uh, you go to Umrah, you go to the Haramain Sharifain, all of a sudden you're required to walk to the masjid. And it's not just good for your, it's not just good for your body, it's good for your soul. Because all these things are connected with one another. You understand what I'm saying? When your your body is connected to your mind, your mind is connected to your ruh, your body is connected to your ruh, you know? All of these things are interconnected. So when a person inside their qalb, inside of their their, their qalb, which is the the the, the center of the of the of the ruh of the spirit, when a person has a good intention and then the body is engaged in walking to that place, it has a it has a good effect on the body, has a good effect on the mind as well. Remember that walking is neurologically a relatively complex procedure. There's a lot of things that the body has to coordinate in order to do it. Um, and so walking in specific and exercise in general, it's good. It stimulates the mind as well. And so when all of these things are working in tandem, there's a lot of khair in it. In fact, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he advised some of the Ansar who wanted to move their, their settlement, a clan that wanted to move their settlement from further away from the masjid to closer to the masjid. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if you knew what the, the reward and the benefit was in coming from such a long way in order to come to the masjid, you would keep it. You'd be patient with your, your place that you walk from. And they, they said, yes. Again, this is a type of literalism. Uh, that, uh, uh, you know, many, mashallah, masjid board member, uh, doctor uncles will probably find fanatical, but, uh, uh, you know, I take it seriously and our forefathers took it seriously. And there's a reason that even in this ibara of fiqh, you know, there, this, this wording is used literally. And on the flip side, what does it mean? If you're walking to somewhere bad, it has a, it, you know, it, it, it makes the, the, the darkness and it makes the evil of that act uh, filter from the heart through the veins, pump through your blood, uh, and become a part of you uh, in a way that you just don't want. You just don't want it to happen. So a person uh, let their their literally let their two feet not make sa'i uh, uh, toward uh, uh, that thing, uh, uh, toward that thing that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has not made permissible uh, for you. A person should be very cognizant of that. And on the flip side, a person should be avid to try to walk to those places that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put khair and good, good in for you. وَلَا تُبَاشِرْ بِفَرْجِكَ بِشَيْءٍ مِنْ جَسَدِكَ مَا لَا يَحِلُّ لَكَ قَالَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانُهُ وَتَعَالَى وَالَّذِينَهُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ 
so this is he says that uh, 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 don't he says uh, 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 he says don't uh, 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 don't touch from your uh, 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 from your private parts uh, or from any part of your body that which is not permissible for you uh, um, and Allah Ta'ala says in his book in Surat Surat Al-Mu'minin وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَىٰ قَوْلِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْعَادُونَ وَحَرَمَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنَ وَأَنْ يَقْرُبَ النِّسَاءُ النساء في دمي حيضهن أو نفاسهن. So this is a, 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 a ruling that is very categorical in regards to the prohibition of uh, of masturbation. Of now, mashallah, family-friendly part of the darses. We've moved on from it. So if there are young ones who probably don't need to be hearing this right now, where you know the discussion may get a little bit frank. So uh, inshallah, uh, you know there's there's uh, perhaps it would be better for them to be uh, uh, better for them for for them below a certain age to be occupied with something else. But uh, this is a a. Um, a, a an equivocal mention of the ruling of the prohibition of masturbation um, and the dalil or the proof from the Quran is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the believers as uh, this is that those people who guard the uh, the private parts, meaning they don't they don't use the private parts uh, um, in the context of uh, any sexual activity, illa ala azwajihim, except for with their uh, uh, with their spouses, malakat or the slaves at their right hand possesses. Uh, uh, in those cases, those people, there's no blame on them for that. And so obviously the slave that the right hand possesses is somewhat of a, a theoretical discussion. We're not going to get into it too much except for uh, to mention that I get every now and then uh, some people who have this question with regards to, <clears throat> you know, can a woman give herself to me as a, a, to be my as a slave or whatever? And the answer is no. Uh, slavery is a particular hukum in the sharia. Uh, uh, that uh, can only be entered into in a set of circumstances that don't really exist in the world today, to my uh, to my knowledge. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, no, you cannot just voluntarily make yourself a slave. It has to be like a war captive that's captured by uh, the sovereign uh, polity of the Muslims, which is not what they call the Islamic State, but an actual uh, uh, Islamic uh, polity, sovereign uh, polity. And um, that, like I said, that, that mechanism doesn't exist anymore. Uh, there may be a couple of places where there are still slaves left, like in Mauritania or whatever, but even that's exceedingly rare. Um, so the idea is this is that, uh, so put, put that issue to the side, you know, uh, for a second. And uh, uh, it, it means that you 
your private parts can only be used in their sexual function uh, with your with your uh, with your spouse. Um, that Allah Taala mentions in His book that those people who guard the private parts and the exceptions are what the exception is only with your spouse or ma'malakat aymanuhum, and other than that, meaning the self or uh, another person or some other means, uh, whether it be, and the fuqaha mentioned these things, whether it be like a, you know, an animal or, uh, you know, all these other things people are into, uh, uh, whether they admit it publicly or not, I guess exceedingly now they've become proud of it, they have parades to celebrate that, but uh, those things are not, <clears throat> those things are not permissible in our sacred sharia. And further than just knowing the, the, the legal ruling, okay, if you know the legal, legal ruling, that's fine. Um, the Sharia is not only the legal ruling as well. Like we mentioned, there is a spiritual aspect to all of these things as well. There's a Sufic aspect to these things as well, which is important in knowing and appreciating what the legal ruling is and why it's there for your benefit. And that legal ruling is there in theory because what? Because the heart, which we mentioned, is the is like the center, the center of the. Uh, of the of the spiritual makeup of a person, it is the most important part of the spiritual makeup of a person, and that heart is described like a city, and the city has gates, all sorts of different gates um, that you can access or enter the city from, and so those gates, uh, if you uh, you know if you look in the uh, um, the the terminology of the sunnah, uh, those gates are referred to as jawarih as limbs. Uh, and uh, even though not all of them are limbs, you know, so one of the jawarih, they're not limbs in the physical or anatomical sense. So one of the jawarih is the stomach or like the tongue or whatever. These are not traditionally anatomically thought of as limbs, but uh, they are spiritual entry points for effect to enter and, and touch the heart. Now the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentions in a hadith, for example, whoever can guarantee for me the thing that's between their two jawbones, meaning what? Their tongue and the thing that's between their two legs, meaning what, their private parts, a lot, I, I guarantee for that person, Jannah. Meaning what, if you can stop the tongue from speaking haram and tasting haram uh, and, and doing haram, and you can stop the private parts from engaging the haram, I guarantee you Jannah. Why? Because these are two very powerful uh, and very uh, uh, big entry points to the heart. It is not possible for a person to have sexual relations with uh, someone or with something or in a certain way except for it is going to impact the heart in, in a way that the heart has no defense against and <clears throat> look this is uh, you know this is this is uh, an important issue that, that there is an emotional and psychological connection between sexual gratification and uh, um, you know between uh, between a person's spiritual state and if you, just like if you eat the haram, it's going to poison your heart. If a person uh, uh, obtains this gratification, it will overwhelm them. And it will slowly uh, turn the heart in the wrong direction. It will poison the heart if they obtain grat gratification uh, uh, through their private parts in a way that is harmful for them. In a way that's haram and not countenanced by the shara of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the flip the flip side is true as well that the the companions radiallahu anhum the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that if somebody sees a woman in the market a man sees someone in the marketplace and is attracted to her then let him go home and make love to his wife because he'll 
he'll find uh, with his wife what he what he found in that other person that that was attractive. And then Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentions in the fi budi ahadikum sadaqatun. Indeed, in the the flesh or the body of a person is a sadaqa for their for their spouse. Uh, meaning and uh, meaning what that a person and if a person does it properly and does it well they'll receive reward the companions radiallahu anhum they they were you know they expressed ta'ajjub and tahayyur they expressed amazement and bewilderment that how is it that a person will receive reward for uh, having uh, sexual relations or sexual intercourse with their spouse, uh, they'll receive reward for this. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that don't you see how bad it would have been if a person uh, took their sexual desire to the haram and uh, put it there? How much uh, punishment that would have been worthy of? Because this companions understood how grave of a, a sin this uh, uh, zina was. And so they were they were astonished. How is it that a person will receive uh, reward for making love to their spouse? And the Prophet says, don't you see how if a person were to take this desire and put it in the haram, they would have received sin. Uh, that's the amount of reward that a person receives when they put this uh, when they put this uh, desire in its right place. And the Muslims traditionally took this very seriously. Uh, and there's a lot of weird post-colonial uh, Victorian era hangups that a lot of especially immigrant Muslims have and even people who are converts to Islam they have a lot of hangups with regards to guilt um, in in, in uh, sexuality that are like carryovers from uh, from uh, Christianity or from Catholicism or to somewhat of a lesser degree even from Judaism uh, or even from atheism because this is the dominant culture this is the the, the dominant culture that has been that, that kind of like has ruled this these lands uh, and these lands have ruled other lands and so it's kind of spread itself over the entire uh, the entire world and the nature of extremism is such as that the pendulum when it swings too far one way it's going to necessarily swing really far the other way as well so that qaum who uh, you know uh, idealizes uh, for example celibacy uh, and that idealizes uh, uh, you know staying away from from uh, sexual intercourse, except for when absolutely dead necessary, um, that qom, it's not surprising that they then uh, end up uh, becoming one of the most lecherous of societies uh, known to history on a level, uh, you know, that proliferates fawahish and indecency on a level hitherto unknown, that uh, turns fahisha into a religion, like this whole LGBTQ movement it's like a religion it's it's not i mean it's like the primary thing that they identify as and it is the yardstick against which they um, they will then measure the the moral worth of everything thereafter and so you know the the pendulum it swings from one side hard to the other especially like or for example the same thing look at catholicism uh, I know uh, uh, brothers who are converts to Islam from Catholicism. They said, we saw my grandmother. One brother said, I saw my grandmother showed me there was a sheet that had like a small cut in, in it, just a small slit in it. And he said that, that, uh, that my grandmother showed me this to me. He said that we were taught in the church that, uh, and this is in, in Latin America, that we were taught by the church that uh, 
this is such a sin and this is so bad that it's only permissible because it's a necessity for procreation. So when husband and wife do it, let them do it with this sheet in the middle so they neither see each other nor touch each other except for in the way that is bare minimum uh, uh, necessary and, and feel ashamed of it the whole time while you're doing it and feel repentant the whole time that, that you're doing it. Obviously, this is going to like psychologically mess a person up really badly. It's going to give them all kind of weird, bizarre hangups and things like that. Um, so it didn't come out of nowhere. It, it came out of the, you know, the, you know, it came out of the fact that yes, committing zina uh, and uh, uh, you know having casual sex is uh, you know cheapens a person, uh, uh, and it's basically an act of disrespect that a person does to oneself because it has such a. a has such an impact on the mind, it has such an impact on the heart, and it has such an impact on the body. Uh, when a man and woman uh, make love to each other, uh, there are certain, uh, you know, like uh, hormones that are released, like cortisol is a de-stressing hormone. And the, the physical relationship that, uh, you know, a husband and wife have with one another, not only does it release the cortisol, uh, but it triggers the release of cortisol when the two of them are together later on afterward even when they're not um when they're not uh you know in the act of making love and apparently i'm told that uh if uh, a person has too many partners then this effect no longer it no longer uh is there and anyone who is a, a you know a scientist uh, in particular uh, a person who knows the physiology of these things they're welcome to elaborate or call out if something is wrong that i'm saying but uh, uh, the the point is is what is that? Imagine that like if you if you do it wrong, you, you literally physiologically will harm yourself, uh, and uh, you will also uh, psychologically harm yourself. And the dean is saying you'll spiritually harm yourself. But the point is is that there's a happy balance between what between completely freaking out, oh my god, sex, we're all going to hell, and on the flip side. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Uh, uh, you know, uh, being very careless with this to the point where you have these you have these scenarios where look, two men when they share intimacy in that way, you will not have children, you will not have families anymore. You can call it a marriage, but it doesn't serve the civilizational function that marriage serves. Um, you know, when two women do it, it doesn't serve that same civilizational function. And, you know, uh, whatever other permutations, you know, there's LGBTQRSTUVWF, uh, none of those are the rest of the alphabets, they serve uh, the function that, that, that a, a marriage does. And so, you know, you, you wander and stray into a type of, a type of, uh, uh, um, incoherence that 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 does actually threaten the way civilization is built you can live off of the fat that is generated by breeders but after some while if enough people get onto that bandwagon necessarily it's going to cause a, a collapse in any society and any civilization and so the muslims didn't take it then like they take it now now what is it if you grew up in a <clears throat> typical uh, a post-colonial uh, muslim family what is it you know, you have you have issues. Other people have issues as well. But if you grew up in a Desi family, an Arab family, what is the what is the hang up? Shh, don't talk about this at all. Haram. And uh, until you get your PhD, you're not going to get married. Until you get a master's degree, you're not going to get married. You know, if you mention marriage about you know about marriage to somebody, 
before uh, any sort of like professional degree. What is, how are they going to support themselves? How are they going to live? How are they going to this and that? This is very impractical. And the sunnah is what is that when a person reaches maturity, uh, both for a man, um, both physical maturity, but as well like as um, being able to work and provide enough to, to be able to take care of uh, uh, one's own expenses and one's wife, then uh, the men used to get married and the women, when they reach physical maturity, maturity, they used to get married. And uh, <clears throat> there are two things that many Muslims will uh, kick and scream and uh, uh, say that they, you know, they detest and they hate and they, you know, you know, never in a million, billion, trillion years that you don't have to look in any family, Muslim family lineage more than three generations in order to find. And one of them is polygamy and the other one is child marriage. People used to, when I say child marriage, like someone getting married under the age of 18 by the, 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 the you know, modern uh, definition of what child marriage is. And the thing is, this is that, look, if you want to grow up according to these values, the Quran says what? That they guard their, their, uh, their, uh, uh, their private parts against any uh, usage except for between the spouses. Uh, those people are free of blame. If you actually want to live a civilization like this, you can't just tell somebody, ah, you, you know, you're going to go blind and then forget about it. That civilization tried that and look what's happening right now. They're all, mashallah, taking advantage of free subscription offers during COVID-19. And don't pretend like you don't know what uh, Mulana Saab is talking about. And if you actually don't know, you should make the offer me. You're a relatively pious person. Uh, the point is, is this, is that <clears throat> the point is, is this, is that if you want to have a civilization that is going to live according to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than just lip service, then the sunnah is what is that people used to get married. Women used to get married at the age of puberty and men used to get married either then or shortly thereafter when they are competent enough to be able to support a family and support a family means what it doesn't mean having a like a palatial house in the suburbs it doesn't mean driving uh, a particular uh, type of nice and fancy it doesn't mean any of those things what does it mean it means pay the rent pay pay basic expenses you know pay your electric bill etc have two rooms in the house if your pops is a nice guy that he says okay you know i'll charge you subsidized rent, you guys take this side of the house or whatever, here's a bathroom and here's whatever with you. Whatever it is, when a person can bare minimum do those things, then they should get they should get married. It's time for them to get married, but we don't do that. We make this elaborate customary kabuki of, out of this entire thing. We make the process of getting married into like a, a pain in the backside. And uh, we end up with then people who are, uh, you know, in their 30s and in, sometimes in their 40s, they've never been married before, or the process is so painful, it actually ends up stunting or harming that, that relationship. Now, imagine when two people get married and they're young, they grow together, whereas when two people are coming together, both of them just finished their MDPH, they're relatively, uh, you know, chiseled and, uh, 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 you know, formed to a very delicate degree they're relatively formed as human beings how are they going to change one of them is going to have to kill their personality in order to get you know get along with the other one 
And that's why we see, you know, like take it or leave it type attitudes between husbands and wives. And, you know, you can always default to the Sharia and say, oh, look, you know, like in a disagreement, wife should listen to her husband. That doesn't happen in real life. That doesn't happen in real life. If your wife does that for you, God bless you, mashallah. You just found a unicorn that's like vomiting rainbows. Good for you, mashallah. For everyone, the rest of us, that's not how human beings work, you know. That's not, and I'm not blaming wives or whatever. Who's there's nobody who's gonna want to, nobody's gonna want to be like, oh look, I'm gonna spend my life with this person, and like at an arbitrary whim, I have to like sacrifice who I am as a person and my mental well-being in order to like ser serve this person or whatever, right? Whereas when you get married, when you're younger, you grow together. I remember having this discussion. Uh, uh, out of all the fun places I've been and all the fun things I've done in my life, having this discussion on a train from Lahore to. Uh, 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 Lahore to uh, uh, Karachi and you sit with some very folksy people you know usually in the lower AC coach uh, you sit with uh, businessmen you know but small-time traders not like people who own like you know multi-million dollar industries but like middlemen type people and so there were some Sindhi uh, uh, businessmen and there was a Patan businessman and a Punjabi and we we're sitting all talking and then there's a student of knowledge mashallah and I mentioned something about how it's sunnah to get married early on. And the Cindy, two Cindy gentlemen, they say, oh, no, the girls have to get an education and they have to go to school and they have to this and that, which by and large I agree with. Girls should get an education. They should go to school. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Um, you know, uh, they, should, they should be educated, both in the deen and in the secular sciences, and the boys should too, for that matter. I have no objection to that. But the, the, the Patan, like... Ajabul Ajaib, he just chimed in with this uh, soliloquy. He says, no, we should get married early on. And the Sindhis were like getting ready to like, you know, refute him. And he's like, I got married when I was 15 years old and my wife was 13. And uh, uh, and 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 he then went straight into And the thing is, when you say that, it's it becomes awkward because people will be very careful what they say about the topic because they don't want to offend a person's like, you know, personally. And so he just launched into a soliloquy about all the fadile and all the virtues of having sex. And he, he said, he said, there's one thing, and it was in wonderful Patan Urdu, mashallah. He said, there's this one thing, it's a gift Allah Ta'ala gave that me and my wife shared since we were teenagers. If I'm sleepy at night, you know, and sleeping in the morning, it will wake me up. If I'm tense and I can't go to sleep at night, it will help me go to sleep. If I'm sad, it will make me happy. If I'm, uh, you know, uh, confused, it will let me clear my mind. If I'm this, it will that. If I'm this, and he just, he went on this like amazing soliloquy in the Cindy's afterward. They're like, yeah, okay, we kind of get what you're saying right now. Look, your grandparents, my grandparents, they all got married at that age. And they were good people. They're better people than us. Our great grandfathers and great great they were better people than us. They were people who used to wake up and pray to Hajjah. Sure, they did some messed up stuff in their life. So do we. But at the end of the day, the Iman was there in them in a way that like we don't recall for ours. My grandmother was uh, a, a woman who lived to her 80s. Allah, my maternal grandmother, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy on all of our forefathers. Um, you know, when I think back, I'm like, wow, she must have been like a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because all I remember her doing was praying when nobody else was praying. She would read Quran when nobody else was reading Quran and uh, she would go for walks every day, you know, and uh, those were good people. Those were good people. And we don't have to be exactly like them. You know, they lived in villages. We don't have to be villagers. But this is one thing. Imagine them growing up without the angst of, of, uh, of like 
this thing that's like a burden on you. You're thinking about it all the time and you're not allowed to admit in front of anybody that you're thinking about it all the time, uh, lest they judge you. And you have this kind of weird, like super sensitive, um, uh, sensitive, like uh, uh, disposition because of which you can't even talk about this with other people. And religious people expect that like their parents are gonna arrange marriages for them. It doesn't happen anymore. I wish it happened. It doesn't happen anymore. So these uh, boys will go to like these, uh, you know, ages and they are obviously attracted to the women, but they can't say anything about it because it sits in their mind that this is irreligious or uh, they have hangups or the, because the shame involved in it. Like if I go and ask somebody, uh, to, to marry me or ask someone's father, can I marry your daughter? And they shut me down. The amount of shame involved in it is going to completely debilitate me. The problem is, is what? Is that, you know, like if you go beyond a certain point like this, obviously you're going to turn into a misogynist and you're going to turn into a weirdo and it's going to strain you psychiatrically, you know, psychologically. What is strain? Stress and strain. The difference between stress and strain uh, in engineering is what stress is like when you bend something and then it comes back into 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 its normal or proper form. That's stress, right? So if I I can bend my my fingers backwards and then they'll pop back to like what their normal form is, you know. Strain is what when you bend it so hard that it, it can't come back to its proper form. It's deformed now, forever. The strain uh, comes on young people, and I'm only mentioning about the boys. Why? Because I obviously don't know what it's like to be a girl. And many of you, if I start giving girls advice, you'll find it disingenuous, probably for good reason, because I don't know what it's like to be a girl. But I imagine that uh, our sisters go through something uh, as well, and the shame issues are probably compounded even worse uh, with them. And so, in people act out in weird ways, you know, but the brothers act out by becoming red pill up bro type people and the sisters act out how, you know, uh, by, by starting to post pictures of themselves where they're kind of advertising themselves with a credible amount of cover of being hijabi niqabi, but you know, whatever, like my, <laughs> one of my daughters, she, she saw a picture of a woman in niqab with her eyes done up and she says, Babo, how come this woman is, uh, uh, you know, how come this woman has so much makeup on for just this amount of her eyes? I'm like, I don't know, Bacha, I don't know why. If I say those types of things out loud, people will say you're being just judgmental, massage. So I try not to say those things. But, you know, good good for you for noticing. It's kind of uh, defeats the purpose. But what's the problem? Nobody wants to marry the girls with the niqab because they're not throwing themselves out there. Nobody wants to marry the girls that are not throwing themselves out there. We have not given marriage a priority. So the sisters have two uh, options. They can either be ignored and uh, suffer in their own anonymity, uh, or they can throw themselves out there and have some, uh, you know, some dream of being married and having a f sexual life that's fulfilled. But it's not just all sexuality. Like sex is a, a type of attention, you know, that they'll have a healthy uh, person who gives them healthy attention and makes them feel beautiful, which is a need that all human beings have. Perhaps the sisters have more than the brothers have on average. And then the brothers on the flip side, you know, why is it that, you know, screw this bro and whatever. Why are they, why are they doing that? I promise you, I promise you if they were fulfilled from the time of their teenage years, that they would be different people. They would be like our grandparents were not constantly burdened and thinking about like this one thing as like the, like the elephant in the room of their mind all of the time. Uh, rather they would get onto what the actual work of life is, which is not to walk around like, you know, like a thirsty pervert, uh, but to actually, you know, um, 
have a family, to actually uh, build the masjid, build the community, you know, provide for your loved ones, to raise your children uh, in a nurturing way, to proliferate the ulum, to do all of these other things. And uh, for that reason, the ulama used to actually write books about this. Yes, the ulama, Siyuti wrote three books about doing it. Imam Suyuti wrote three books, uh, 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 a long book which is very detailed, uh, 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 a short mukhtasar compendium, and then like a medium book that has uh, a medium amount of details, but he's by far not the only one. I have several books sitting upstairs in my, in, in my or not upstairs, but like on the upper shelves of these uh, of the, the collection, not necessarily because of the sacredness of those books, but you know they're behind the masahif so that the children don't uh, don't reach them. But they're literally ulama wrote books about doing it. They, they begin the book with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu tabarakwa. There's one book uh, I have. It's really, it's really funny. I haven't actually read the whole book, but people see it and they're like, oh, what is this Mulana Saab? And I'm like, it's a book of ilm. Like if you want, read it. I've never had time to read it from cover to cover, but apparently a number of people have 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 like joked about it and like, you know, cracked. And I'm like, be, be, be mature, go ahead. And they they read it. There's a remarkable amount of detail in it. With regards to you know, you know there are this many types of men, this this type of profile, and then there's these types of profiles of women, and this is how a man can give pleasure to a woman. This is how a woman can give pleasure to a man. This is how this problem gets solved. This is how that problem gets solved. Why did they write those books, right? Why did they write those books? A pious person uh, 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 who uh, who wants to live a pious and fulfilled life according to the Deen of Islam. And according to the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, they have to be fulfilled in this way, and they have to be able to give fulfillment to their, to their spouse or to their spouses, uh, be as it may. They have to be able to do that. If you cannot do that, then, then, then there's, you know, like like we mentioned in pre previous durus, there's a whole set of predictable issues that, um, that will, uh, uh, you know, start to plague people and give them a hard time. Uh, you have to be able to make your your please your wife, yeah, and that requires sabr. It requires patience. It requires not being in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, "Don't be like the donkey that goes to the she donkey that it just goes and gets its uh, uh, you know uh, pleasure and then it it leaves." And uh, it's funny, I, you know, when I was in Tuamarat in Mauritania, like you know, you could actually see the way that the donkey does it. And it's savage. It doesn't look like anything at all fulfilling or uh, helpful for. Uh, uh, for the, the she donkey at all. You can't do that. You cannot be that way. And the problem is that when you have all this angst and frustration uh, that that is like the basis of any uh, uh, relationship, when you're going to emotionally poison the relationship because good, good uh, relations, intimate relations are built upon what? They're built upon a, a, a good emotional relationship that a husband and wife have with one another. Um, and I'm not trying to be like self-helpy. I mean, it's, it's really, it's just, it's true. If you don't like each other, then you're not going to be able to be like, oh, look, you're, uh, uh, you know, we're copulating right now. So I'm going to now suspend what I feel about you and start to enjoy. It doesn't work that way. So the ulama wrote books about these things. Why? Because fulfilled people are very important. Fulfilled people are very important for a, a healthy and a proper society. And like other types of beneficial knowledge. This is also a type of beneficial knowledge that people used to uh, have. And the only thing that we have in our civilization that we've produced in, in anything that comes close to it from our like small, like little side note, footnote of civilization is Mufti Muhammad bin Adam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, reward him. He has this like small Islamic guide to sexual relations. Um, it's a step in the right direction. Many people oftentimes won't, uh, uh, won't, um, you know, uh, won't, 
push the matter any further. Why? Because of the weird uh, colonial, uh, post-colonial Victoria, Victorian sensibility uh, stigma that uh, people will be, uh, you know, stuck with these things. People need to not only because they figure if a person reads about how to do it, they're going to want to do it, and if they're going to want to do it, they're going to want to get married, and if they're going to want to get married, you know, like well, they haven't finished their PhD or their master's degree or their, uh, um, you know, or their 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 education yet. And the fact is, by the way, I don't want you know the brothers when they read this, well, yeah, it's bogus. How come I can't get married when I'm 14? It's because our parents baby us. They baby the boys. We don't we don't learn to be independent. We don't learn to be a man. Many of us end up becoming board members or even imams and masajid. You don't learn how to be a man. You don't know how to take responsibility for yourself. You don't know how to pay the rent. You don't know how to earn earn enough of a living to pay the rent. You don't know how to defend yourself, much less defend a woman, you know, much less defend your children. And so it's not something that's a, a right. You know, procreation is not a, a right by any uh, 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 standard as a man, even biologically, like even zoologically, if you want to pro procreate, you have to show that you have the evolutionary fitness uh, uh, required in order to do that. That's really hard. Uh, uh, that's a really hard process. It's not an easy process to go through. But like you know, look on the other hand, and we're 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 like Shh, don't talk about it. And the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, this comes in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he used, he he would he would visit the azwaj mutahharat between asr and maghrib right now the hanafis you know this is a dalil perhaps that your uh, that your asr may be a little bit sooner ala qaul sahibain fil mithl awwal because it might require a little bit more time but he was able to sallallahu alaihi wasallam visit each one of the azwaj mutahharat uh, uh, and the muhaddithun if you look in the shuruhat of it it means what that he was able to fulfill all of them in one uh, in one afternoon and that's the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa from his khasais is that he was allowed to have so many wives which nobody in the ummah afterward is allowed to have. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I remember one of the ulama from South Africa was telling me, he said, I sat, I sat in the dars of the Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda, uh, rahimahullah tabaraka wa ta'ala, the, the great arch muhaddith of Aleppo, of Halab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speed its uh, liberation uh, from uh, from the tyranny of the enemies of Islam. Uh, uh, that he said that I sat in his dars um, in in the Arabian Peninsula, and I uh, heard him comment about this hadith and say that this is also a, a person should have been physical fitness and should be able to, if they have four wives, that they should be able to in one one afternoon please all of them. And this is how you do it. And he said that he described it in an amount of detail. I myself would blush to share with you on the uh, on the YouTube studio because of my own colonial and Victorian hangups. However, it's something that it's something that they, they talk about that they talk about to this day. Sheikh Abdul Fatah Abu Huda is like Alam al Huda. He's like the flag of guidance. He's one of the uh, one of the one of the most respected Hanafi. Muhaddithun uh, 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 and Muhaddithun in general, but he was a Hanafi. He was a very, uh, a, 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 a very traditional Sunni scholar that was respected by all different branches of Sunnism. Uh, the ones that uh, other Sunnis want to admit are Sunnis or not, but all branches of Sunnism. His books are wonderful. They're amazing. He did because of the wasiyah of his Sheikh. Rahimahullah the adjunct to the last Shaykh al-Islam of the Ottoman Empire, Muhammad Zahid al-Kothari, he loved the ulama of Deoband. 
Al-Kothari uh, used to make murasala. He was like, he would write letters back and forth with Allama Yusuf bin Nuri, the, the Muasis of bin Nuri town, and the, the probably the most prolific of the students, from the most prolific of the students of Mulana Anwar Shah Kashmiri, rahimahullah. Um, and he made wasiya to his student that served the books of the ulama, the muhaddithun and the ulama of the subcontinent. And so many of the books, Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda wrote ta'liqat uh, uh, on the uh, works of the Dewbandi ulama and the ulama of the Indian subcontinent. Um, and he sent his uh, one of his sons actually to study in Benuri town. Uh, uh, in 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 one of the most renowned, if not the most renowned, Deobandi Madrasa in in the uh, in the Indian subcontinent, um, and so these are people. These are not people who are like lack haya or like are modernist or deviant or weirdos in any way, shape, or form. These people are the custodians, the guardians of this tradition. Their hearts were the the pure receptacles Allah Subhanahu wa Taala kept in order to in order to preserve the tradition. They were aware of these things as well. You know, people should lighten up, loosen up about these things. Not lighten up and loosen up in the sense that they don't take them seriously. They're very serious. But they should not treat these issues as if they're some sort of like, you know, like uh, somebody just like gave you a bowl versus a bowl full of coronavirus, you know, and like you just try not to touch it or whatever. It's important. You know, help your kids get married when they're when they're young. Raise your sons in order to be able to not ask their mother for money by the age, you know, by the age of 14. Get them like small time jobs, teach them how to budget, teach them how to live alone, teach them how to, you know, not be dependent on you. Like, you know, like, like Desi mothers try to kind of keep the umbilical cord tied uh, for, for, don't, no, don't do that. That's bad. That will result in all sorts of like psychological problems and hangups and weirdnesses afterward. And it will cause a lot of problems later on in life. And uh, whoever, if someone is listening to this and they're like themselves, like, yeah, man, this is bogus. I'm suffering from angst and difficulty. Allah, make it easy for you. Allah, make it easy for you. Allah, make it easy for you. If you're a father who is like, hey, yo, man, this is this guy is crazy. He's talking some crazy nonsense. My kid, how is he going to support a wife or how is she going to marry a husband or whatever as a teenager or something like that? Look, it's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that, uh, uh, that, uh, the, the mafhum of which is that any child who um, grows up and their father doesn't help them to get, get married. Help them doesn't mean like I'm going to foot the bill or whatever, but like prepare them for it and like assist them in a reasonable way in order to get married. And that person, ends up, that child ends up committing zina. Uh, then the father will get two sins. One is that they'll be punished for the sin of that child committing zina because there was no way for them to, to, to avoid something that's very spontaneous. And you tell your kids, oh, look, girl, girl's evil. Don't look haram, haram, stuff, tawbah, tawbah, stuff, Allah. You know, you can do that. But the fact is like, there's like an entire machinery of like anatomy and physiology that's like kind of built against that. It doesn't really work that way. And uh, that's not the attitude that we see that like, you know, so-and-so Sahaba passed by like, you know, uh, uh, you know, five women in the marketplace and they grabbed their ears and said, oh, I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not, it's not how it worked. It's not how it worked. And, uh, you know, we can do that. Why? Because if you grew up in the village in the Indian subcontinent or really any other village in the Muslim world, you tell kids like that when they're seven, don't, oh, women, oh my God, stay away. You know, when they're 10, when they're 12, 13, they're going to get married when they're 16. They're going to get married when they're 18 and they're going to be fulfilled. And they're not going to have these phones in their pockets. And they're not going to have these shashat that you're watching YouTube right now. Allah knows what you watch and what I watch when, when, when we're done. 
Allah knows best. Allah protect us and forgive us for our sin. Allah knows, you know, this is very emperor's new clothes uh, uh, type of stuff. You know, Allah knows what people are watching. Allah knows best. Allah Ta'ala protect us and forgive us and keep the, the parda and the, the, the sitter of, uh, of his, uh, uh, of his uh, 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 majesty and his mercy uh, uh, over us that we should ever uh, that we should ever be taken a ta task for this in front of the creation or in front of him for that matter in this world or the here. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Then they have to have to deal with those things. So you could tell the kids, yeah, stuff for like girls don't look, you know. And then what? They'll get married. They'll get married to some, probably their cousin from the village, and then they're gonna. Make you know they're going to truly love each other. They're going to make love to each other. Uh, you know, uh, you know the women are washing and scrubbing the clothes and like you know in good physical shape, and the men are working the fields in their good physical shape, and they're you know they're happily ever after. You know, like uh, uh, you know like uh, uh, like a cortisol shower. Uh, 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 sorry, oxytocin, not cortisol, oxytocin. Cortisol is a stress hormone. Oxytocin is a de-stressing hormone. It was mentioned earlier, um, uh, so uh, but it was mistakenly mentioned. It's oxytocin, badish, you know, like a, a shower of oxytocin, uh, oxytocin like a, a, a Indian movie uh, a, a music scene level of that, and that they'd be happy with each other, and they truly love each other in a way that I don't think many people are going to love each other nowadays. The people may not even be capable of loving each other anymore like that. Um, and then afterward, what happens is the village mentality coupled with like the, uh, you know, part post partition or post like, uh, uh, you know, whatever post 1967, uh, 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 thing of like, we all have to become doctors and we all have to become engineers. It was great. All become doctors, all become engineers. I talked, I have no problem with the doctors. I just talked today with Molana Mateen Khan. He's in, uh, 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 in, in Jersey. And he graduated from the Darulum in Buffalo. And he's actually a very learned person, mashallah. Uh, and he's also a medical doctor. He's in the ER. And he was telling me about how, how it is to dealing with the corona. And it's very interesting to have his perspective as both a scholar and as a, as, a, as, a, as a medical doctor. And it seems like he's actually good at both of them. And you can see the unwater in his eyes. He's a very handsome person anyway, but you can see the spirituality in, 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 in him. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, like, go ahead, do all of that stuff, right? Go ahead and do all of that stuff. But you have to find solutions that work for the uh, situation that we're in. And that's one of the beauties of our civilization is that it's, it's underpinning is not a piece of land, you know, like the ancient Egyptians, they believed like in their Batil uh, Kufr religion, they used to believe that if you don't die in Egypt, you won't be resurrected. That's why they had like very powerful arming civilization, but they never left the land because they needed the land for their civilization. You know, India is kind of like that also where they consider the land to be like a, a god that they worship or something like that, even though all the Indians seem to have, mashallah, made it here to Chicago and to other places that, that uh, you know, but that's, no one said it was supposed to make sense. And the Muslim Indians, obviously, they're going to go everywhere anyway, mashallah, marhaban bikum, in any case. Uh, but the point is, is this is not... It's not contingent on a piece of land. It's not put contingent on a particular crown or a particular sword or any physical thing. It's contingent on one usul, on principles that are based on wahi, that's based on revelation, that's based on the book of Allah Ta'ala and the person of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and everything he said and everything he did and everything he accepted and all of his state, noble states, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's potable from one place to the other. If somebody ripped open a window into dimension X and we went over there and all of a sudden gravity pushes things away from each other and all life is based on silicon, and all, still the Sharia will give us a way of living that's beneficial in, in dimension X. 
You know, if aliens come uh, uh, from some other planet and they're mukallaf, they're like they're mentally, uh, they're there together, what would we do? We'd give them da'wah and they would, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, accept the deen and they would come in their spacesuits where they're breathing sulfur instead of oxygen and they would try, you know, cry tears of sulfuric acid in front of the, uh, uh, in front of Muwajah Sharifa while saying, uh, uh, Salatu wassalamu alayka ya Rasulullah and whatever weird alien language that they speak uh, you know and their tears of sulfuric acid if the hood was released it would probably be toxic enough to kill everybody in Medina but like you know they're and then they'll have their own ulama that will deal with their own weird masail and whatever right why because usuli tradition is a pr principal tradition and so we have to use the tradition in order to find uh, uh, solutions that work for us you know, we part of it is going to have to do with what? Like learning the knowledge of the ancients. Man, if some Moldy wrote a book about how to do it, you should probably read the book. And you should be good at it. You should be so good at it that when you walk by, your missus cannot help but smile. You know, you should be so good to your husband that when he walks by, he cannot help but like, you know, you, you, you like grab his attention. You should do that. That's how the companions were, the Allah Anhu. You know, that's how the, you know, uh, uh, you know, someone it's floating around the Internet and I don't even know the veracity but somebody sent a, uh, you know, sending around like a quote about Imam Ahmed that like myself and my wife, we were together for so many years and like uh, never I never uttered, we never had like a, so much of a, as a fight with one another. That's a healthy relationship. It's not just that they sit together and read the Quran. Allah knows best, you know, like maybe they did. I don't know. Right. But like use your common sense. Uh, if a relationship is a holistic thing, this is a, a you know a, a part of that um, that you have to be able to you know if you want to live this ayah of the Quran, you know وَالَّذِينَهُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَّا عَلَى أَزْوَاجِهِمْ وَمَا مَلَكَتْ إِيمَانُهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ غَيْرُ مَلُومِينَ You actually have to make some planning for like this thing to happen. You can't just you can't just uh, you know magically assume it's going to happen and you know all of a sudden i'm a doctor so all my problems are solved and like magically happily ever after and we can never have a conversation about it because my god if my mother ever found out she'd kill me or my father ever found out you know he'd like take a stick and beat the hell out of me and like oh i said you know grab your that's not that's not cool that's not good and that fakery that type of fake living ends up usually resulting in weird perversions, right? Like, let's fake like we're celibate and live like a whole life. And then when we become old, it's going to work out, right? And see, I go ask the, the, the Catholic Church, how did it work out for them? Go ask those people in Latin America whose grandmothers, you know, can show you a sheet with a small slit in the middle uh, and see their great-grandchildren, you know, uh, you know what what is their idea with regards to how this thing is supposed to go down you know go ask those people who even the muslims we're not there to just mock and jeer other people even the muslims themselves in the muslims themselves it's very sad to say it's very sad to say see see which one of their olad and which one of their progeny is 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 chased and which one isn't our forefathers were chased people you know our father our for our parents were not people who committed zina and their parents before them were not people who committed zina and their parents before them, they were nasab, they're people whose lineages were known. And, uh, you know, those of us who accepted Islam from another from another tradition knows what the value of that is. And through your saying, la ilaha illallah, Allah made you of that same status, that you're a, a pure, a pure nasal, you know, how unfortunate and how, how bad would it be if us or our children, we put them in a position such that they're the first generation that broke this purity and tainted it with something, with something haram. You know, we have to, we have to make plans in order to, 
execute the civilization which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, 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 you know uh, 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 made for made for us and laid the principles down for us and we have to use creative means in order to um, in order to in order to make it work Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq perhaps people may find it strange why Mawli Sabi for an hour he's talking about doing it um, it's important it's important you know uh, and the thing is that you know when it happens well, you know you have like Ahmed bin Hanbal and all these. You have like these people that it's a good piece of an, an entirely good pie, you know. But on the flip side, what happens because it's so viscerally connected to your body and it's so in, intensely connected to your heart and to your mind as well. What happens when this doesn't work for people properly? What will happen? They'll Shaitan will put in their heads in the moment of frustration this idea that if you can't do this according to Islam, then you can't do any of Islam. So people, I've seen so many people, you know, I don't believe in the deen anymore. Why? And you know, you question, question, and you find out that the person just he found a girlfriend, she completely blows his mind. You know, you found a woman who found a man who cares for her, genuinely cares for her and cares for her needs and takes care of her. That's the problem. He's haram for her. That solution wasn't found, and then that person was put in a fitna, and there's no excuse. There's no excuse to leave the deen whatsoever. And people don't study aqidah, so for that reason, they think that if they committed sin, it's you know you may as well throw the baby out with the you know bath water that it's some sort of kufr, and it's not kufr. You know, I mean, you could be sexually attracted to like office desks, and uh, it's wrong and it's haram as heck, and really weird, and like never going to find sanction in the Sharia um, as long as the Sharia is protected and it's you know its people are not lifted from this earth, but. Uh, you know, you still, you're still, you're still a Muslim. Not everybody has that 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 even that much understanding. Um, so you know, this is this is a necessity for the survival of iman itself amongst people on a civilizational level. Um, even if the solutions don't work for you or for me, we should work toward them because civilization is more than just individuals. Let's see, we have Amin from Sharjil by Amin. Uh, uh, let's see what else would the would that be similar to the perfumed garden by Sheikh? I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, what else? Who are some of the students of Sheikh Abdul Fatah Abu Ghudda that we can still benefit from? The most well known of uh, them that I'm aware of is the Sheikh Awama, uh, who was in Medina Munawwara until relatively recently, and I think he's now in Istanbul. So you can uh, you can benefit from him as well. And uh, man, the computer is a little bit far away, so let me sneak up and see what does that say because the Arabic is really small. So, Hadathna ibn Makhlad, Hadathna al Marwazi, Qala, Samatu Aba Abdullahi Ahmad ibn Ahmad ibn Ahmad ibn Ahmad ibn Afwan Hambalin. Sorry for the Nahu failure. Uh, sorry, this is far away. Uh, that's beautiful I mean you know what that's that's so beautiful mashallah that's wonderful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised both of their ranks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give them a maqam with awliya and jannah forever and Allah ta'ala give us a place at their feet as well because we love them and that we were happy for them and uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us something that he gave them as well in this world and the hereafter, uh, both from uh, both from their spiritual graces and from the the khayru mata'ad dunya al-mar'atu salihah. You know, I, I remember hearing this attributed 
to Imam Ahmed as well that the best of the enjoyments of this world is a righteous wife. Allah give righteous wives and husbands to all of us uh, according to the proper designation thereof. Uh, inshallah, we make dua Allah Ta'ala accept from us and forgive us if we said anything excessive, inshallah. Whoever wishes to say something can say something in the comment section, inshallah, as well. And uh, 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 like I said, um, remember Sunday, the dars will be on Dar Qasim's page and it will be from the Shamal of Tirmidhi. Uh, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.